The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stock features rise as we begin a new trading month. Can President Biden deliver on promises to impose higher taxes on big oil? Credit Suisse says the bank is not for sale. We'll talk with the Swiss lenders chairman. And the Fed begins its two-day policy meeting. A salary transparency law takes effect today in New York City. Plus, could the Supreme Court end affirmative action at universities and colleges. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshaw in sports. Much needed win for the Nets. The Browns upset the Bengals. The World Series got rained out. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Tuesday morning. I'm Amy Morris. I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are moving higher this morning. We're coming up to 6.01 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 33 points. Dow futures up 197. NASDAQ futures are higher by 123 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 22.30 seconds. The yield 3.95%. NYMEX crude is up 1.4% at $87.63 a barrel. Amy? Nathan Stock Center the first day of November moving higher. If history is any indication, equities may build on October's gains, which saw the S&P 500 rise 8%. Bespoke Investment Group says the S&P 500 has registered an average gain of eight-tenths of a percent in November. Amanda Agati is Chief Investment Officer at PNC Asset Management. We're still playing a little bit of defense. We're still leaning U.S. over international, larger over smaller capitalization. We kind of neutralized our growth and value bets here. Um, but with valuations falling six-plus multiple points since the beginning of the year just on the S&P 500, you have to start getting interested um, in opportunities at these levels. PNC Asset Management's Amanda Agati says markets will rally if the Fed gives a clear message on when rate hikes will end. Well, I mean, it has been a big trading day in Asia. Chinese stocks surged overnight as speculation grows that the government's preparing to exit stringent COVID restrictions. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong rose 5 percent. Stocks in China gained 3.6 percent. And, Nathan, we continue to see historic profit from oil companies. BP this morning reporting its second-highest quarterly profit on record and announcing $2.5 billion of share buybacks. Bloomberg Steven Stabinski says it's a banner year for big oil. It's really hard to see anyone who is really losing out on this surge in prices. And you've seen it across the board over the last week. You've seen, you know, Shell, Total, Exxon. Yeah, BP is is joining this larger group, not just in Europe and the United States, but you're also seeing this in, you know, Saudi Aramco posted their second best quarterly profit ever. 
When it comes to Saudi Aramco, Bloomberg's Stephen Stepinski reports that the company posted its second highest earnings on record this morning. The results from big oil this quarter are due largely to surging prices at the pump. Now, as Stephen mentioned, Amy, we've seen record profits from ExxonMobil as well as Chevron. Both companies amassed more than $30 billion in combined net income last quarter, and that has President Biden calling on Congress to impose higher taxes on oil companies if they're not reinvesting in production. If they don't, they're going to pay a higher tax on their excess profits and face other restrictions. My team will work with Congress to look at these op- these options that are available to us and others. It's time for these companies to stop war profiteering. But President Biden's promise to impose higher taxes will be hard to deliver. Democrats have unsuccessfully sought a so-called windfall profit tax for more than a decade. Such a proposal would have a hard time passing the Senate in its current makeup. And Nathan, central banks also in focus this morning. The Fed begins its two-day policy meeting where it's expected to hike rates another 75 basis points. At the same time, Australia's central bank has raised interest rates by a quarter percentage point. It looks like the RBA is pivoting away from larger hikes, according to Bloomberg's Garfield Reynolds. It's definitely a pivot for the RBA. The question is whether other central banks are going to be as concerned about the growth side of their mandate uh, as the RBA is signaling that it is. It's still concerned about inflation. It says more hikes are to come. But reading between the lines, its concerns about growth mean that it's not wanting to go more than 25 basis points a time. Bloomberg's chief rates correspondent Garfield Reynolds says the cash rate in Australia now stands at 2.85 percent. That's the highest level since 2013. In corporate news this morning, Amy, we are focused on Credit Suisse again. The Swiss bank is not for sale. That's what the firm's chairman, Axel Lehman, saying after shares have fallen more than 50 percent this year. Lehman spoke to us in Hong Kong. We are going to, you know, to strive again. Uh, so we, we don't have any takeover discussions, and at that point, we truly believe we want to stay independent. So Credit Suisse Chairman Axel Lehman made the comments in an interview with Bloomberg News. You can catch the full conversation on Bloomberg.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal. And back here in the U.S., the airline and travel recovery continues as the busy holiday season approaches. Delta Airlines pilots have voted to authorize a strike. We get that story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It gives union leaders the authority to call for a work stoppage once they have gone through steps set by federal labor law. The Delta unit of the Airline Pilots Association says about 99% of pilots who voted approved the proposal. The participation rate among Delta's roughly 15,000 pilots was 96%. While aviators must follow steps set by the Railway Labor Act and can't randomly walk off the job, the strength of the vote represents pilots' view about the lack of progress in negotiations. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Charlie. And another note on the airline industry. For the first time since COVID cut air travel, U.S. passenger traffic's been running above 2019 levels. Just over 15 million people went through TSA security portals in the past seven days. That's about 39,000 more than in 2019. And on the political front, the midterm elections are set for a week from today. That means a policy change from Twitter. The social media company has frozen some employee access to internal tools used for content moderation and other policy enforcement. And that's curbing the staff's ability to clamp down on misinformation ahead of the election. Bloomberg News has learned most people who work in Twitter's trust and safety organization are currently unable to alter or penalize most accounts that break rules around misleading information, offensive posts, and hate speech. Futures are higher. This is Bloomberg.
It's 6.07 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr to find out what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. A salary transparency law takes effect today in New York City. It requires most companies to include minimum and maximum salary ranges when they post job openings. The law's supporters say it's intended to close the pay gap for women and people of color, but critics argue it will do just the opposite. The Supreme Court kicked off hearing arguments over affirmative action at universities. Conservative groups have sued both Harvard University and the University of North Carolina, claiming that their admissions processes aren't fair to white or Asian applicants. The court's three liberal justices cast a doubt on whether race is the sole indicator in admissions processes. Attorney Patrick Strawbridge represents students for fair admissions in the UNC case and says that race should only be used in a broader context of an application. Racial classifications are wrong. That principle was enshrined in our law at great cost following the Civil War. Justice Elena Kagan countered. The race is part of the culture, and the culture is part of the race, isn't it? I mean, that's slicing the baloney awfully thin. Meanwhile, conservative justices have been casting doubt on whether the affirmative action programs are needed. A correction officer inside Rikers Island was injured after being stabbed over a dozen times. The New York City Department of Corrections says it happened yesterday afternoon. The officer is said to be in stable condition at Elmhurst Hospital. Court documents say the man accused of entering the San Francisco home of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi wanted to break her kneecaps. The Speaker was not home. Police say 42-year-old David DePap attacked her husband, Paul Pelosi. Meanwhile, Democratic Congresswoman Debbie Dingell of Michigan discussed the attack on Paul Pelosi and heightened tensions over political rhetoric and violence. She referred to recent Elon Musk tweets on Pelosi. The conspiracy theories are also adding to this and putting kerosene on, and people believe it. So, yeah, you know what? I will go after somebody. I think the new owner of Twitter's got some responsibilities, too, and was horrified that he would participate in some of this conspiracy theories that has no fact to it, no truth to it. Congresswoman Dingell spoke on Sound On, which airs at 5 p.m. on Bloomberg. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It's 6.09 on Wall Street. Time now for the Sports Report, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Amy, Brooklyn Nets have become somewhat of a soap opera. Very often it has to do with Kyrie Irving. Seems it's always something with Kyrie. The latest... His posting on social media of a link to an anti-Semitic video. Several fans last night sat courtside with T-shirts that read, Fight Anti-Semitism. There's also the team's early season struggles. A 1-5 record, worst defense in the NBA, so a much-needed win at Barclays. 116-109 over Indiana. Kyrie scored 28 points. Kevin Durant at 36. The Monday night game, an upset win for Cleveland, 32-13 over Cincinnati. The Browns were up 25 nothing. In the fourth quarter, NFL trade deadline, 4 o'clock today. Giants could be looking for a receiver. Jets wideout Elijah Moore has asked to be traded. No quarterback change for the Jets, despite Zach Wilson's three interceptions and the loss of the Patriots. The Jets coach, Robert Sala. I've got full confidence in Zach. We all do. Um, um, you know, it's not like he hasn't had bad games before, and he stepped up and, and has followed up with good days. So, you know, with the way he preps and the way he practices and, and the questions he asks, 
uh, we've got faith that it'll continue continue to find ways to get better. Jets have a tough one Sunday against six and one Buffalo College football. Auburn fired Brian Harson, so he didn't finish the second season of a six year contract. They'll owe him fifteen million dollars. They're still paying the previous coach. World Series resumes tonight in Philadelphia after last night's rainout. The Phillies have changed their Game 3 starter. Out is the ex-Met Noah Syndergaard. In is Ranger Suarez. The Astros are sticking with Lance McCullers. World Series is tied at 1. John Stash, that was Bloomberg Sports, Amy. All right, thank you, John. S&P futures are 34 points higher. Dow futures up by 198 points. NASDAQ futures up by 127 points. The 10-year Treasury up 24, 30 seconds. The yield at 3.94%. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. The dollar and treasury yields are falling as investors await the Federal Reserve's policy meeting. It kicks off today. The decision is tomorrow. Stocks and futures are in rally mode this morning. We check the markets for you every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 34 points. Dow futures up 201. NASDAQ futures are higher by 127 points. The 10-year treasury is up 25, 30 seconds. Yield 3.94%. Yield on the two-year 4.41%. NYMEX screws up by uh, 1.6% or $1.42 at $87.97 a barrel. COMEX Gold is up 8 tenths percent or $12.60, 1653.30 an ounce. The euro, 0.9925 against the dollar. The yen, 147.25. Bitcoin's up 1%, $20,600. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. The Supreme Court heard arguments in cases challenging the consideration of a student's race in college admissions. The cases involving Harvard and the University of North Carolina could end affirmative action at public and private schools across the country. Protests by Jair Bolsonaro supporters intensified as the Brazilian president remained silent over his loss to Lula da Silva on Sunday's elections. Protesters block highways. They'll try to make up Game 3 of the World Series in Philadelphia. Last night, Phillies and Astros game was postponed because of rain. In the NBA, the Nets won, the Wizards lost. In the NHL, the Capitals lost in a shootout with the Hurricanes 3-2. The Browns beat the Ravens 32-13 in Monday Night Football. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right, thank you, Michael. It is 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Now, the White House has been calling on oil companies to invest more in production for months, but Bloomberg data show the biggest companies like Exxon and Shell and Chevron are all handling a lot of that money, and they're handing it over to their shareholders and then just reinvesting only a fraction of their windfall. So now comes a warning from President Biden for oil companies. As the administration is promising higher taxes on oil companies that record those windfall profits without reinvesting in production. Joining us now to talk about it, President of the Short Group, Stephen Short. Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time with us this morning. Uh, The president's going to have to get congressional support to do this, but the question is if he can get that support, will he? 
Uh, well, I think a lot of it, Amy, depends on, uh, I guess, in about a week or so uh, after the midterms, uh, who has control of Congress. Uh, I think if we still have the current uh, Democrat control with uh, the um, vice president as the tiebreaker, uh, then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll probably get this floated by Congress, and Congress would probably try to enact uh, some sort of windfall profit tax. Uh, of course, on the other hand, uh, if we see any sort of red wave or, or, or even a red tide, uh, where Republicans gain control one, one of both houses, uh, then the likelihood of a tax, uh, a windfall profit tax, uh, diminishes greatly. I, I think it will be non-existent. So now I think, Amy, the question is, uh, with a week to go in some of the prediction markets, uh, i.e. markets you could bet on the outcome of next week's election, do seem to indicate that uh, the Republicans will win at this point. Uh, so a lot of the rhetoric that we heard yesterday is what we've heard uh, in the past, and perhaps it is just nothing but uh, the uh, campaign trail trying to rally uh, the troops before the election. But so close to the election, is it too little too late? Well, it's all about rhetoric, right? Uh, markets trade on perception. They don't trade on reality often. They trade on perception. Uh, these are futures markets uh, we are talking about. Uh, so what this will do is it casts the oil companies, whether it is the Western oil companies or OPEC, it casts them as the villain. It takes uh, the shine off of whatever culpability you might have had in the situation, and it gives you talking points. Uh, the bottom line is the windfall profit tax. We've tried it before. We tried it in the 1980s, from 1980 to 1990. It did not work then, and if it were to be reenacted, re uh, uh, then certainly I'm highly skeptical that it will work this time. Yeah, I wanted to get into that historical perspective. We have seen this before then in the 1980s. Why didn't it work then? Uh, we have a survey, or not survey, excuse me, a study put up by the Congressional uh, Research um, uh, uh, Group, and essentially we've tried this in the 1980s, and what happened was we had a price cap um, uh, after prices were de um, deregulated uh, in the 70s, and that price cap was taken off, and then Congress enacted this under the belief that oil companies were earning windfall profits. And uh, the study that was put forth uh, by, um, excuse me, by, by this independent, uh, the, as I said, the, the CRS, yeah. uh, determined that uh, the tax ended up reducing uh, the amount of oil produced because you're raising the, ca uh, the cost of capital, uh, thereby cutting off the supply of capital for the industry. So production was cut, and our dependence on foreign oil uh, actually grew uh, during the 1990s. Uh, so effectively, what you had was the government bean counters over those 10 years estimated that the uh, windfall tax revenues, they would collect the IRS $393 billion, uh, whereas they only, create, they only collected $80 billion at this point because, once again, uh, you're looking at a situation when you tax something, ideally you're going to reduce the supply of whatever you're being, uh, whatever you're being taxed on because you're raising the cost of production. And just as this congressional research uh, study put forward, uh, effectively, uh, it happened before. We'll reduce the cost of capital. You'll reduce production. You'll increase imports, and you'll do nothing to impact price. Stephen, very quickly, 30 seconds here. Turning to the price of oil, where do you see it headed from here? 
Uh, right now, it depends on whether or not we are in recession. I know. I think. Uh, I think a big bank came out and said uh, second quarter will be in recession. Certainly, if we see that, uh, our modeling hat takes oil down below fifty dollars a barrel uh, at this point as uh, the economy dries up, as demand drives up. Our modeling coming in so far for the new year is mid eighties to about one hundred and twenty. That would be your range. So around one hundred dollars a barrel, assuming we do not go into recession. All right, we go Steve. with the recession, $40. All right, Stephen Shork, thank you very much. Always great to get your insight. Stephen Shork is president of the Shork Group. S&P futures now 36 points higher. Dow futures up 215 points. NASDAQ futures up 139 points. Much more to come on Bloomberg Daybreak. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund for 50 Years. JCF's donor-advised funds have been helping families create charitable legacies. Start now and open a JCF fund before year-end. Visit jcfny.org. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Amy Morris. I'm Nathan Hager. We're about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. IBKR Event Trader offers a new way to trade futures. Use event contracts to trade your opinion on yes or no questions in key CME futures markets. Learn more at eventtrader.interactivebrokers.com. Up first, U.S. futures are higher as investors gear up for this week's Fed meeting and the October jobs report. The Fed is front and center. That's a According to Bloomberg macro strategist Vince Signorella. The Fed may pivot sooner than expected. I think that's what the markets are hoping for, some indication that the Fed acknowledges that their work is uh, starting to find its way through to the economy, specifically in housing, as we saw last week, pending home sales down over 30 percent on a month-over-month basis. That's what the market's hoping for. And Bloomberg Vince Signorella says markets will respond negatively if the Fed does not forecast easing monetary policy in the near future. Expectations are for the Fed to raise rates 75 basis points tomorrow, followed by 50 in December. Meantime, Australia's central bank hiked interest rates today by just a quarter percentage point. That's sparked bets that the RBA is pivoting away from large hikes. It's been a big day in Asia. Amy, Chinese stocks surged overnight as speculation grows. The government's preparing to exit COVID restrictions. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong rose 5%. Stocks in China gained 3.6%. And Nathan, we're seeing historic profits from big oil. Saudi Aramco and BP hosting their second-highest quarterly earnings this morning after record profit from Exxon and Chevron. It has President Biden calling on Congress to impose higher taxes on big oil. Rather than increasing our investments in America or giving American consumers a break, their excess profits are going back to their shareholders and they're buying back their stocks, so the executive pays are going to skyrocket. Give me a break. Enough is enough. But President Biden's promise to impose higher taxes will be hard to deliver. Democrats have unsuccessfully sought a windfall profit tax for more than a decade. In corporate news this morning, we're talking Credit Suisse again. Amy Chairman Axel Lehman tells us the Swiss bank is not for sale. We figured out where we need to go, and we took some bold and really very important decisions for the group. And it's now really about looking forward and to execute that plan. 
Credit Suisse Chairman Axel Lehman made the comments in an interview with Bloomberg. You can catch the full conversation on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Red headlines crossing the Bloomberg Terminal. Eli Lilly is cutting its adjusted forecast for the full year. And Johnson & Johnson is acquiring a biomed in a deal valued at $16.6 billion. That's the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. All right, thank you, Nathan. 633 on Wall Street. Now let's bring in Michael Barr to tell us what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. A salary transparency law takes effect today in New York City. It requires most companies to include salary ranges when they post a job opening. The law supporters say it's intended to close the pay gap for women and people of color, but critics argue it will do just the opposite. Maria Colacurcio is CEO of Cindio, a company that makes software to analyze pay equity. As a company, if you have a philosophy of start low, stay low, or pay top dollar to the best negotiator, that's going to very quickly catch up with you from a pay equity and median pay gap perspective. A recent study found white women are paid 73 cents on the dollar compared to white men. For black women, it's 64 cents on the dollar. A deeply divided Supreme Court has heard arguments that could end affirmative action policies at universities. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The conservative majority suggesting a readiness to abolish the practice. Chief Justice John Roberts. I don't see how you can say that the program will ever end. Your position is that race matters because it's necessary for diversity, which is necessary for the sort of education you want. It's not going to stop mattering. The affirmative action proponents at North Carolina and Harvard arguing that the policies ensure diversity. Justice Clarence Thomas said he doesn't even know what diversity means in this context. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Federal prosecutors say the man accused of attacking Paul Pelosi, the husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, told police he wanted to hold the Speaker hostage and break her kneecaps. David DePop has been charged with two federal crimes and a state count of attempted murder. North Korea threatened to unleash a powerful action if the U.S. does not halt joint military drills with partners, including South Korea. It might be an effort by Kim Jong-un to lay the ground for his first nuclear tests in five years. Fans wearing fight anti-Semitism shirts occupied some courtside seats at the Brooklyn-Indiana game last night, days after Nets guard Kyrie Irving tweeted out a link to a documentary film that includes anti-Jewish tropes. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. 5.36 on Wall Street. Time now for the sports report. It's actually 6.36. The sports report brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John's dash hour. All right, Amy. As for that Nets-Pacers game, it finished the home-and-home. Indiana won the other night. That was the Nets' fourth loss in a row. And in three of them, they allowed at least 125 points at Barclays. Nets blew much of a 25-point lead, but they held on. Beat the Pacers 116-109, just the second win of the season 
for Coach Steve Nash. That was the message uh, after the game. That was the message on film this morning. That was the message in, in uh, our walkthrough. Um, you know, we, we had a disastrous defensive game uh, Saturday night, and so the guys responded. Proud of them. You know, the, the effort, energy. Kevin Durant led Brooklyn with 36 points. Kyrie Irving had 28. They're both averaging over 30 a game, but no one else has really been scoring. The worst defense has been the worst in the NBA. As the Nets ended their four-game losing streak, so did the Cleveland Browns. They upset the Bengals 32-13. to Nick Chubb, 100 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Browns had five sacks. So Baltimore now with sole possession of first AFC North and the Ravens just acquired linebacker Roquan Smith from Chicago. Smith leads the entire NFL in tackles. NFL trade deadline, 4 o'clock today. We hear tonight the college football playoff committee. They'll unveil their first rankings. This week's AP poll has Georgia and Tennessee ranked 1-2 when the two teams meet Saturday in Athens. Michigan State suspended four football players for their involvement in a post-game brawl. The other night at Michigan, criminal charges could be coming. Phillies and Astros will try to play Game 3 of the World Series tonight in Philly. The rainout last night means Game 5 will be Thursday. And if the series is still going, Friday will now be an off day. John Sports. All right, thank you, John. It's 6.37 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks and some of the names that are moving in the pre-market. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Creedy Gupta. And Creedy, let's get more details first off on the breaking news involving those drug makers. Yeah, let's start with Johnson Johnson here. It looks like they're buying ABO Med for upfront payment of $380 per share in cash, Amy. This is the classic M&A arbitrage that you're seeing in the stock market right now. J&J shares down about one2 Remember, the uh, the acquisitioner, for lack of a better term, is always going to see their, their shares take a little bit of a hit, even on a positive day like today in the broader markets. But on the other hand, uh, ABOMED up about 48% in the pre-market. ABMD is your ticker there. Uh, just some more details of the deal here. This does include some milestone payments. It includes an enterprise value of about $16.6 billion. And some of those ABOMED holders will also get some commercial and clinical milestones as well. Well, Johnson Johnson, on the other hand, is going to fund the deal through cash on hand and short-term financing. Remember, this is a massive theme that we tend to focus on in the tech space, but across the S&P 500, a lot of these mega large cap companies, uh, tech and otherwise, have been sitting on piles of cash. Remember, we're coming off of a period of easy lending, easy issuance. So a lot of companies have a lot of cash to really deploy in the M&A space, and Johnson Johnson is no exception. So like I said, J&J, uh, those shares are down at 1.2%, hovering about 172 per share, and ABO Med up about, uh, well, 48%, right to $372. Remember, it's not quite at that 380 that you are going to see uh, that the deal is going in for. But anyways, that's not the only one. We also have Eli Lilly as well. LLY is your ticker there. Those shares down about three-tenths of 1%. They actually just came out with earnings and are cutting their full-year adjusted EPS forecast. Now, remember, they have been dealing uh, with some of the issues in the discount, in the uh, drug space, so in kind of discounting some of their drugs. They are involved in a legal case there. But they're also reporting a third-quarter EPS of $1.98. The consensus was $1.96. The problem here for these shares and why you're seeing them under pressure is the forecast. It's the forward guidance that even though some of these numbers on the surface are pretty good, overall, uh, not so much. All right, really quick, 30 seconds. China stocks, what you got? Well, we've got to talk about some of these rumors that are that are kind of surfacing here. And, and remember, I have to emphasize they're unverified. They are just rumors, but they're enough to give some of these Chinese companies uh, a little bit of a boost. So likes of Alibaba, BABA, up 6.3% on the ID 
idea that perhaps there are meetings that are coming down the pipeline for some thoughts on how China can exit their COVID zero policy. Now, remember, unverified, still social media rumors, but like I said, enough to give it a boost, not just for those Chinese ADRs like Alibaba, but some of the American companies that have massive exposure there. We love to look at the casino names for that. Las Vegas Sands can be our poster child. LVS up about 5%, Amy. All right, Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent. That was the lightning round with Kriti Gupta. Kriti, thank you so much. Always a pleasure looking at stocks as a whole ahead of the open S&P futures, 37 points higher. Dow futures up 219 points. NASDAQ futures up 143 points. The 10-year Treasury up 26.30 seconds. The yield at 3.94%. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are moving higher as the Fed gets ready for its two-day rate-setting meeting. Let's go live to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. And good morning, Nathan. That's right. U.S. futures are in the green right now. Dow futures up 206 points. SBs gained 37. And NASDAQ futures rise by 138. The U.S. 10-yield falls to 3.94%. Gold is up 18. Oil is in the green. And Bitcoin is trading higher by 1.1%. Hong Kong rose 5.2% overnight. Note that Chinese markets rallied after unconfirmed social posts on reopening. And European markets are firmly in the green this morning. Back in the U.S. on the economic front at 945, S&P Global Manufacturing PMI. And at 10 o'clock, jolts job openings and construction spending. Regarding some of the earnings this morning, Eli Lilly cut its fiscal year adjusted EPS forecast, while Pfizer raised its 2022 outlook. In deal news, J&J to buy a Biomed for $380 a share in cash. And wrapping things up, First Solar is raised to equate at Barclays. Emerson Electric was cut to hold at Deutsche Bank. And Carvana raised to neutral over at J.P. Morgan. Live from the First Word Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Nathan? Okay, Bill, thanks. To get live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on the terminal. S-Q-U-A, go. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. And now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael? Nathan, thank you very much. The Supreme Court heard arguments involving Harvard and the University of North Carolina that could end the affirmative action process in college admissions. The court is a new conservative majority and one that seems ready to roll back if not overturn it. Former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has cast his vote in Jerusalem. Israelis are voting in their fifth parliamentary election in less than four years. Netanyahu is looking to return to office. They'll try to make up Game 3 of the World Series in Philadelphia. Last night, the Phillies and Astros game was postponed because of rain. In the NBA, the Nets won, the Wizards lost. In the NHL, the Capitals lost in a shootout with the Hurricanes 3-2. Monday Night Football, the Browns beat the Ravens 32-13. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. The following commentary is from Bloomberg Opinion. Tax loss harvesters, prepare for a bumper crop. I'm Alexis Leondis, a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. There's no sugarcoating the stock market's 20% plunge this year. 
but there is a small consolation prize. You've one of the best opportunities in years to lower your tax bill. That's because the U.S. tax code allows investors to sell poor-performing stocks and use those investment losses to offset capital gains from selling better-performing assets, such as stocks, bonds, a home, or business. For some mutual fund investors, the benefit of tax loss harvesting will be amplified. In December, fund investors may be in for a nasty surprise. Not only will most have suffered negative returns, but they may also be receiving a capital gains distribution. Locking in stock losses now can help to offset those unwelcome distributions. It's been a rocky year in the markets, but smart moves now can make taxes less painful come April. I'm Alexis Leondis. For more opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion commentaries every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. It is 6.50 on Wall Street. Time to turn to news in science and technology. The Bloomberg NJIT STEM report is brought to you by the New Jersey Institute of Technology, ranked at top 100 national university by U.S. News and World Report and number 14 in the nation on money's best colleges list. Learn more at njit.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. The Biden administration's restrictions on U.S. citizens assisting China's chip industry will be more narrow narrowly enforced than feared. That suggests a smaller-than-expected impact on semiconductor companies. The sanctions were introduced to keep cutting-edge chip technologies out of the reach of China's military. Elon Musk is preparing to appoint new product leadership inside Twitter. Bloomberg News has learned Musk met over the weekend with close friends and advisors on how best to change the service he just bought for $44 billion. Meanwhile, managers have been compiling lists of staff who could be cut. And Toyota says its profit fell 31% in the last quarter because of a shortage of chips. The maker of the Camry sedan, Prius Hybrid, and Lexus luxury models said it faces many challenges, including rising interest rates, soaring materials costs, and fluctuating exchange rates. A shortage in semiconductors, COVID lockdowns in Shanghai, and flooding in South Africa also bit into Toyota's earnings. That's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Amy. All right, thank you, Nathan. And we're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, where it is 6.52 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. and some of the top stories in our nation's capital include President Biden's warning to oil firms to reinvest in production or face higher taxes. North Korea may be laying the groundwork for its first nuclear test in five years. And former President Trump looking to shield his tax returns from the public eye. Let's get more on these stories with the host of Bloomberg Sound on, Joe Matthew. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us this morning. First, the president going to need some congressional support to yes. do this windfall tax plan. Is he going to get it? Well, you know, you're asking the right question. Starting to think, you know, they're not getting back together here, Amy, the White House and Big Oil. Uh, we've heard this message before from the president. A new level of rhetoric, though, as, as he refers to a windfall of war, accusing Big Oil, Exxon, Chevron, Shell of war profiteering. It's a pretty heavy accusation. It's not going to make a lot of friends in Houston. Uh, not that they were making friends. So here we yeah. are. The difference this time, though, is that instead of begging oil companies to drill more, they are, in fact, asking to work with Congress to craft this tax uh, if if these companies don't show that they're reinvesting in production. That part of the story hasn't changed. The reality check, though, is that Democrats have tried to do this for years, a windfall tax. And it, it, if it wasn't already happening with Democratic control of the House, the Senate, the White House, look, it could be another world after the midterms here. Even if Democrats somehow keep control of the House, 
the votes are not in the Senate for this. So, you know, it's a powerful message to send from the White House to get on TV and send that message a week before elections. But that may be all it is, is, is kind of a messaging moment for Joe Biden. I wondered about that, because as Democrats have been pushing for this for for years, Mm -hmm. uh, does this mean the president's kind of holding his own party accountable for not getting it done sooner? (laughs) That's an interesting way of looking at it. And I suppose you could say that. Uh, But look, you know, this is something that the Democrats, progressive Democrats have largely uh, supported. And when we consider where we are now with a week to go, can you even imagine a week from today we're finally voting? Three dollars and seventy five cents. Seventy six, we'll say, if we round it up, is, is today's AAA national average uh, above five dollars a gallon in California and in some areas of the country. The president had to do something. He had to say something. And at least if you're going to be blamed for this, you can turn around to the American people and say, you know what? We tried everything we could, but we just couldn't get it through Congress. And that's a message that has you know worked for presidents over the years. All right, well, let's shift gears now and look at North Korea. They're now threatening to unleash a powerful action if the U.S. doesn't halt those joint military drills with partners, Mm. including with South Korea. Where's this going? Yeah, look, you know, we're talking about a potential nuclear test. It's not a shocker uh, here as the U.S. conducts military exercises with South Korea. That's uh, seen as somewhat of a provocation, but it's also pretty rich after Kim Jong-un just unleashed the biggest series of missile tests we've seen in years largely to get the world's attention as uh, as Russia sucks all the oxygen out of the room. He even sent one rocket over Japan, right? He rattled a lot of nerves in the region, which is partly why we have these activities. And we're talking, by the way, about 240 airplanes uh, honing their wartime capabilities, as the Pentagon says. The 7th Air Force says they're, they're flying about 1,600 sorties. It's It's hard to miss. But, yeah, the North is threatening a nuke test, which would be the first in about five years. And, frankly... Uh, it's it's amazing how much he gets away with. It might not lead to anything if he does this, uh, but it certainly gives you a sense of, of just the risk level in that part of the world around the Korean Peninsula. It's not to be forgotten. We spent a lot of time talking about China and Russia, but Kim Jong-un is, is still causing trouble. I've got a lot more questions about that, but we are running out of time. Former President Trump wants the Supreme Court to block that congressional committee from getting years of his tax returns. Now, Mm -hmm. his legal team filed an emergency application just yesterday. What does that tell you? Yeah, well, it tells me that we've reached the end of the line here. You know, an emergency application to the justices means that there are no other legal options at this point. And so the chief justice will have to figure out if, if he wants to handle this on his own or or kick it to uh, to other justices. But this is the, the Ways and Means Committee in the House. And the argument here is they've been looking for six years of his tax returns. The president has been incredibly successful, keeping us all from reading them, going back to his time as a candidate, of course. But they argue, and this is what has to be decided, that there is, in fact, a legislative purpose for getting these tax documents. This isn't just for an expose. It has to be for the sake of crafting legislation. The the Ways and Means Chair, Richie Neal, says, yeah, we're going to make legislation that shows how uh, accountable presidents must be. But we need to see his tax records first. Unclear how the Supreme Court uh, weighs in on this one. But but President Biden uh, and President uh, Donald Trump, I should say, the former president, has been very consistent on this. And this is going to be a riot. If they do release it, it's not likely to happen. All right. Bloomberg Washington correspondent Joe Matthew, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And you can read more about these stories 
on Bloomberg.com or the Bloomberg Terminal. And a reminder, follow all of the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Some breaking news now, Nathan. Yeah, Amy, we're watching shares of Uber Technologies uh, jump on earnings crossing the Bloomberg Terminal. Third quarter revenue beat analyst estimates, though the rideshare company does see fourth quarter gross bookings that came in with a miss of what Wall Street was expecting. Still, investors seem to like what they're seeing on the top line. Right now, Uber shares are higher in the pre-market by 6.7%. Futures moving higher as well. S&P futures up 38 points. Dow futures up 214. And NASDAQ futures are higher by 140 points. Much more to come on Bloomberg Surveillance. That's coming up next. For Amy Morris, I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.